Wonder about the future and how you'll be working and learning? Welcome to You in 2042, the future of work, with your host, Danielle Wallace. Stephen Ibaraki, thank you for being part of this three-part series. Is there other other technologies that you think we should be mindful of to keep our eyes on? You know, there's there's a lot of different kinds of technologies. In fact, I just did a Forbes article on uh, biomedical innovation. Recommend you have a look. It's quite long. I did uh, three interviews within that article. One with uh, I would consider one of the top biomedical innovation scientists in the world. Another one who helped found one of the top biomedical innovation companies in the world before it got acquired, and another gentleman who is one of the top innovators in the world, really three famous notable people coming together in this institute called the Terasaki Institute. And and their their work is so interesting that I did an article and recommend you have a look. So biomedical innovation is one, right? And what is what is uh, what do I mean by that? Well, let's say you know, rather than growing animals, you can create a cellular equivalence in the lab. And so you don't have to get into the ethical questions about animals and so on, you, because you can grow protein cells and then texture them. And you can have lab-grown meat, for example. Uh, and you don't get into the climate issues that you do uh, with certain kinds of animals, right? So that's one aspect, or let's say a, a way to where almost like a second skin on your, on your finger, on your arm, and it has the ability to transport medication into you without you really feeling it. And in return, it can sense, you know, pick up molecules from your body and, and use that to as an early warning sign uh, or to keep you into optimum health. I mean, or if you look at the work in aging that's occurring, so I talk about that in uh, this uh, Forbes article where, um, I, I think I listed maybe about 10 areas that I think are really interesting. And and, and I'm not saying uh, that these will ultimately be the solution, but I'm saying they're interesting and you should research them on your own. But at least I give you some of the key words that you can look at. Uh, one part that I think is really interesting is the scientists uh, came up with this ability to uh, take these molecules and, and uh, regress an adult cell all the way back to being a stem cell, right? And they're called the Yamanaka factors, the four of them. But let's say if you don't go all the way to the end to be stem cells, and then once they're stem cells, you can then coax them to become uh, like mini organoids of different parts of your body, and then you can do testing and things like that, drug discovery with that. But let's say you don't regress it all the way, but regress it only part of the way, that maybe there's some kind of rejuvenation capability there. So maybe some studies are indicating that you can do this in animals. You can rejuvenate them a bit and then uh, but you know can we do that in humans but at least the the spark is there and in fact a a um, new startup has been formed it's already raised billions it's got some really big um, famous people in it and uh, these really famous scientists are also advisors or they're part of this new startup as well or even this CRISPR technology um, where you can do this genetic editing right and um, and that's become much more refined, much more targeted, where you can get much more certainty in what happens. So that's another area, you know, biomedical innovation. Uh, supercomputers, um, 
I did an article of words on Jack Dongero, and he won the Turing Award, which is considered sort of like the Nobel Prize of Computing Science, and it's for his work on supercomputing. Really interesting, interesting work because with supercomputers, you can get into drug discovery, uh, look at protein folding, you can do climate analysis, you can um, do simulations of the world, you can simulate parts of the universe, you can solve really big uh, problems that were considered intractable before, but you can at least give some inklings of uh, what's happening. Um, and those computers now have crossed the threshold and you know, with the release of what they call exascale, that could do a billion, billion uh, floating point operations per second. Can you imagine that? I mean, that that was considered impossible at one time, and now there's you know computers being fired up that can do that, which means that you can model all sorts of things in those computers, and and get more predictability and um, uh, a better idea of outcomes and so on. Another area that looks really interesting is quantum computing. And um, back in 2015, I was invited by a CEO group to advise them, kind of look 10 years into the future. And I agreed, um, and I formed a, an advisory group, and we, we had workshops, and we did these private summits. But even back in 2015, when I was first approached, I said, uh, um, blockchain is something you're going to have to look at, which you see today. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, crypto is an area you have to pay mm -hmm. attention to in some way. Um, uh, I also indicated cybersecurity. It's mm -hmm. going to be a much bigger issue, and you're going to have to look at it. Uh, privacy and okay. uh, data protection and ethical issues. I also indicated AI machine learning would be an area. Um, uh, 5 and 6G, even though we were at 3G and 4G then, I was saying 5 and 6G is going to have a profound impact uh, on the world. I also indicated to him to look at um, the future of the startups and really be monitoring it because it could be very disruptive. The idea is like, look what Apple did in 2007 when they came out with the iPhone, right? They totally, dis they were not a phone company. Now they're known as a phone company. They totally disrupted the phone company. Tech company can become a platform for healthcare or for anything else. You have to, so, you know, you have to be aware of that. But another thing I brought up to them was quantum computing. And I and and I remember at the time in some of the first meetings the people were saying, oh, that's it's not gonna happen. But it, I I've I've written some Forbes articles on this already. But if you follow what's happening now, I would say there's a, a pretty good consensus that it, there's something there and that it's going to happen. Uh, and it's not gonna be a hundred years from now. It's probably gonna be in the next ten years or or, or 20 years, and even some parts of it happening uh, within the next few years, and some are even saying it's happening today. So what does quantum computing allow you to do? It allows you to solve problems that are very kind of nature-based, that couldn't be solved by digital computers in a reasonable amount of time. Let's say it would take thousands of years to solve it using a digital computer, which means it's not solvable. Quantum, those are kinds of problems quantum computing is very good at. So weather prediction is one of them. Uh, some things, aspects of financial services, where there's a lot of things you have to kind of manipulate around, uh, drug discovery. So in any area that's a, where there's lots of this load of complexity, where you have to do a lot of processing, quantum computing may be uh, a solution to this. But quantum computing itself has, has evolved now. It's no longer going to be just a quantum computing by itself. It'll probably be a quantum computing working with 
a digital computer, maybe even a supercomputer, which is working with perhaps even an analog computer. So multiple computers working together in unison to solve problems, right? Then the question is, uh, you know, these things are really expensive, the millions of dollars. Will it ever come down to, you know, I, I've got a, I've got a iPhone, it's got an A15 bionic chip in it, and it's got 15.8 trillion transistors and can do 15 trillion operations per second. And forgive me if I get this wrong, maybe it's the A14, but, <laughs> but uh, let's say it's the A15, A15 bionic chip. I mean, that's, that's a supercomputer yeah. in my phone and everybody carries one. So, so uh, I actually see not in the distant future, but even in the, in the future that you're going to see, uh, Danielle, and uh, in my lifetime, uh, we're going to see this sort of integration in something that's quite small and we will be to um, do really fantastical things. And then even to the point where maybe it's not that's bulky, maybe it's embedded in some way or, you know, so you don't have to have, you know, devices on you and so on. So lots of stuff happening right now, but it's happening now, right? So Yeah, that's exciting. This is happening now. And, and even thinking about supercomputing and quantum computing and what's possible even today right. is mind-blowing um, and with that there's so much potential and opportunities um, and also the opportunity to do good right. um, on that note as a last question would love to know your thoughts on ai for good and the powers that are possible to really benefit humanity well, you know, uh, the UN back in 2015 came out with the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And there are things like zero hunger, uh, you know, uh, working with poverty, education is in there, uh, labor markets, industry. I mean, really every major area that you can think of that's a challenge but an opportunity is in those 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Well, today, AI is applied to every one of those sustainable development goals to enhance it, to make it better, to make it more feasible. Um, I just wrote an article in Forbes on the Microsoft Imagine Cup. It was the uh, champions uh, who won it, uh, their students. Uh, it was announced at the Microsoft Build Conference. And in fact, I interviewed uh, the winners uh, last week. I recommend you have a look. You can find it under IEEE Thames, just search for, uh, and you'll see interviews by Stephen Ibaraki. But their technology addresses sustainable development goals that's used to help with paralysis. So let's say you had a stroke and then you have some hand paralysis. It's an exoskeleton that can fit over your hand and, mm. and it can uh, improve um, the uh, treatment times, like uh, reduce them and so on. And it employs artificial intelligence. So that's sort of like a practical, sustainable development, healthcare-oriented goal of that. It can be used to analyze climate uh, patterns and so on to, to predict better. It can be used for migration of animals to help protect them and uh, analyze them. It could be used to address hunger. In fact, the uh, World Food Program, and I'm on their advisory council, they have an innovation accelerator and their innovation accelerated. Its whole purpose is to identify innovation, bring them in the house, and and um, help it to grow or uh, help startups to grow. Many of them have artificial intelligence embedded into those uh, uh, startups or innovations that they're having. And so, just to give a little bit of context, the World Food Program 
is the world's largest UN agency. And I would say their budget's somewhere between eight to 12 billion. Um, they have something like 100 aircraft, 30 ships, uh, let's say about 8,000 vehicles, maybe 20 plus thousand people all around the world. And their innovation accelerators, world famous. You know, in 2020, they won the Nobel Peace Prize for their work. And they won recognition from Google and Apple for an app they produced uh, to help with uh, hunger. And, uh, you know, their blockchain technology has been used to address refugees, to help them. Or in the food provenance, right? Can you track food and, and, and food sources to make sure, you know, it's, it's good, right? So the possibilities are endless. But AI, it, you know, ends up being embedded in all of that. Even uh, within COVID, uh, there's a group out of Canada called Darwin AI. They open sourced it. I mean, they, did, they produced a, a capability to identify COVID using x-rays and so on. And But they open sourced, they gave it away so that research teams around the world could use it. And that's an application of AI. And they're Canadian too. And they're in your hometown here in the greater Toronto metropolitan area. Yeah. So fascinating. There's so much opportunity and so much happening right now to really benefit humanity overall. And even as we look at the workforce, there is lots that's happening, not just in 2042, but even looking at the near term, the things that are happening right now, and that look ahead to peak even into 10 years from now, the future is really already here. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, you're seeing a lot of uh, corporations now looking at the whole idea of talent growth. A good example is the CEO Leadership Alliance out of Orange County, California. They've created this um, center of, of excellence in AI with a, with a focus on talent and, and ensuring diversity, inclusion, and in that talent growth and uh, applying it to AI. Uh, Microsoft as a corporation, they have an, a, quite an extensive uh, reskilling, skilling program uh, all around talent, but also around artificial intelligence and STEM and computing science and things like that. Again, to also to have a wider bucket. So it's it's uh, diversity inclusion is, is a big part of that program. Many companies are, are moving in this direction, but you see government programs in this area and nonprofits are also in this area. There's a company called Infosys. They, they have a formal reskilling program that they offer. Uh, both for companies, but a free one as well. That, and uh, the Canadian Info Pro Information Processing Society is working with them to develop it for Canada, but they got one for North America. So again, if you, if you drill further and just search on some of these keys, uh, you'll find there's quite a bit of content. I believe Microsoft, has, uh, they got so much content to LinkedIn and courses and that, and they're trying to make that available in their whole reskilling area as well. So. So there's so much that us as learning and development professionals, uh, our listeners, can really tap into now to ensure that we're truly ready and aware of these changes that are just that peak around the corner. Thank you so much for your time and your great insights. I really appreciate it. Well, it was a real pleasure. And, and uh, Danielle, you, the, the work you're doing is so, so great and outstanding and awesome. And you know, it's all so positive. And in fact, you practice precision, personalized care for everybody you work with. So it's, it's amazing, and your clients and the, and the people you work with. So continue this outstanding work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that.